Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hey y'all, welcome back to a, another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where you guessed it, I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by someone um, who's out there in Los Angeles, California. But Evan cracks me up, and one of the ninety billion reasons I love Mr. Evan Swartz is that. He informed me before we got started tonight that he found a microphone. Um, I kid you not, folks. The week before the end of the NFL season, and he was like, maybe I should go check this out. Let me go see if I have this uh, this good mic. And lo and behold, he found it and brought it to our attention. So better late than never, Mr. Evan Swords. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I... Uh... <laughs> yeah, you know, I I had a period of my life before you and the Chase Thomas podcast where I mm-hmm. did my own podcast and and call that BC. Yeah, yeah, before yeah, before uh before Chase. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and I, you know, I I bought a mic and had a setup and all that and I actually like I bought a whole MacBook Pro and ended up just giving it to the girlfriend. I was like, "You mm-hmm. study and you, you you need this. I don't need this. You take it." Mm-hmm. Um and then yeah, I don't even know why I never thought about it, but you you kind of said something the other night and I was just like, "Wait. I think I have a snowball." Mhm. And honestly, that's the same thing with like my webcam here. Like I have my work computer that has mm-hmm. a webcam and all the above. But I was like, wait, that's right. I have that 1080p webcam. I, sh- I wonder if it works. And I just like mm-hmm. plug it in and it immediately is like, yes, this is yes, we work. We can use this. And same thing. Like I literally grabbed my mic. I was like, yeah, give me a second and just mm-hmm. plugged it in. And then immediately open your link. And it was like, yeah, absolutely. We can, of course, use the snowball mic. Like I like the least amount of like resistance possible to use the stuff that I've had in my possession for like five years. Incredible. I I just, I love that. And um, hey, it adds more to the legend. That is Mr. <laughs> Evan Swords. Um, have you been watching Murderville at all? Uh, no, but I actually, and, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited that for once we're, 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 uh, kind of on the same page of this show because I think we yeah. we usually watch other shows. I really want to watch it. I yeah. I think it's a great concept. I'm very excited to watch. What's your favorite? So you haven't uh, watched it at all yet. Have you watched all of them? Wait, say it again. Have you watched all of the episodes? So I fell asleep last night uh, watching the fifth episode, I want to say. But the Marshawn one is probably the weakest but he has some he has some bangers of a lines like I want to be detective Bagabitch for instance for instance like was incredible like him wanting to rename himself and Will Arnett getting on the phone with City Hall to rename him so that he can be that name uh on the program it's incredible like the premise is so simple but I love when they're fa- like they break character uh in this show so they don't have any qualms about what it is but like uh, Kumail was the best, I think, by far uh, for me. He was incredible. Like he has this walk in one scene, and I think I posted it on my Instagram. But he had this one moment that's just Kumail is so funny, and him and Will Arnett are just Will Arnett's on another level at this moment. You put this guy in anything, and he's just gonna kill it. And it's such a silly concept, and it shouldn't work. Like this would not work for so many other writers and air and actors and all that kind of stuff. But Evan, it's ten out of ten. You will you will thoroughly enjoy Murderville, and it's twenty minute episodes. And dude, it is 
it's incredible and it's even smart like you have to the actors who come in because you know the premise of it right where like the the guest star doesn't know yeah so they don't know and they have to be paying attention like it's the little things and it's amazing that that actually does come out to be uh important uh in the very end it just the show like there's only a handful of shows that get me to audibly laugh and that's a big thing like i'll smile at a lot of shows where i'm like oh that was clever or that's that's cool but very few actually get me to audibly laugh. And Murderville, I will say, um, gets me to audibly laugh. I, I, I love that I saw the concept of it. And it's like, mm. you know, obviously, you know, it's a scripted show. But one person every week, a guest, mm. you know, obviously has no lines and is supposed to have completely improv the entire show. Mm. That's an idea that I think when you hear out loud, you go, oh, that's an amazing idea. And executives mm. will never go for it. Right. Yeah. Like, and and I think we're kind of at this point now where there's just so much content that like mm-hmm. finally broke down to the point where these executive executives at these major networks are like, fine, we'll let you <laughs> do it. And you know, Netflix, of course, is like, we'll yeah, we'll try anything. And mm-hmm. of course, just like how Stranger Things was like said no by like nine times, right? Like mm-hmm. this is just there's just ideas that I think sometimes like take way too long mm-hmm. uh, to get through. And this just looks like an incredible idea. You'll you'll love it. I would highly encourage you to binge it. But that is true. I hadn't really considered that with just because there is a lot of content. And like some, one thing we lose is that none of us like watch TV together anymore. Like I will always miss like the Game of Thrones Sunday nights, the Breaking Bad. I want to say Monday nights is one. No, 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 no. Don't say none of us because everyone that likes Marvel content does. It's just oh, you. No, no, that doesn't count. That's the, 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 the what do you mean? The most popular content in the world doesn't count. The, I mean, that's not really what I'm saying. I'm Game saying Game of Thrones is just yeah. as nerdy. No, there's nothing nerdy about Game of Thrones. There's nothing. What? what? Who? Whomst? Whomst among us has ever thought that uh, Song of Ice and Fire would have any any dorky nerdy elements to it? Seven hundred page books. <laughs> this is a, this is full nerd stuff. I could get them out. I'm looking at them right now. Like I could pull them out. They're great books. Um, shout out to George R. R. Martin, who uh, can you please finish Winds of Winter at some point? That would be nice. No, I don't think he's ever going to finish the books, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but I guess just it's cool that the plethora of talent or the plethora of options and content and honestly, the talent too, of just there's so many talented people that can create cool stuff um that they're given opportunities now because you have apple tv and all these other streaming services where they're like we're not sure about this idea but it doesn't sound like it's going to cost us much money uh yeah we'll give it a shot and if it works out great we look like geniuses and if not uh no skin off our back like i think that's one of the cool things so yeah i I think that's something that's going to continue because there are a lot of those shows out there that um are finding their niche on these random networks um one of those that did not happen was banshee which is a top 10 show for me all time on cinemax cinemax is gone they did this great stuff and cinemax was one of my favorites and i know you didn't watch banshee right i'm looking it up right now nobody watched banshee and it's one of the best shows of all time and i've never been able to have another person to talk to about it like ever like i there's shows out there that i would love to talk about with somebody and no one watched it nobody that it's is so good. It's one of my favorite shows ever. It is it had no business being that good. I think the person that I share the most in common with with like my movies and television. Um, oh my god! Yeah, it's it's Homelander from The Boys is the main guy in that. Oh yeah, Anthony Starr. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. 
Um, and he is he's super cool in this show. It's so good. That show is phenomenal. Um, I cannot recommend it enough to our listeners here on the Chase Thomas podcast. Like, go check out Banshee Cinemax. Um, go check out Murderville. All kinds of free publicity for these shows on this uh, on this edition of the program. Um, we also have to hit Mr. Swords because you're like you have a lot of jobs. You're you work in uh, some kind of big time astro organization that I don't even know where to begin with what you do for a living now <laughs> and where you're at. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you're at Liberty. I don't know how many NDAs you've already signed for your position. So who knows what Evan towards does. I, at this point, like I, I wake up in the morning and I put a pair of pants on <laughs> already has an NDA in it. Really? To be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, like I will say, like I said, my, mm. my, my real life big boy job is a senior technical recruiter uh, mm. for Astra, which is a space uh, satellite launch company. It's, it's kind of like SpaceX, but a little bit of a different take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the head people from my company came from NASA. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, basically everybody at the, my company, but me is really smart. You're smart. Evan. Yeah. You're, I love, I mean, also you're surrounded I, by astronauts. I, I love when people say that they're like, Oh, Evan, you're, you've got street smarts. Trust me. I know my place. <laughs> Do you have street smarts? Yes, I, absolutely. You grew up in Oregon. Where are the street smarts coming from? First off, street smarts. Yes. Street smarts just mean uh, not book smarts, but the ability to you know uh, your your surroundings, people. Your you know like people skills are high. Your your yeah. quick analysis skills of human beings mm-hmm. and and uh, things like that. Okay, absolutely. That's where I shine. That's why I'm a good recruiter. I was going to say that definitely seems like something you need to do. I could not be a recruiter. There's there's not like we're different in a multitude of ways, and that's one of them where. That is not my personality type whatsoever. Um, but that's cool because we need them. And oh, but there was a reason I was bringing that up. Oh, yeah, because your other jobs outside. So you're you're doing that. You're a regular here on the Chase Thomas podcast. One of your biggest positions um, that people ask. Most important. Probably. I don't know about biggest, but definitely most important. For sure. And then you also are apparently like an under the table white claw rep, which I don't understand. Like you're just you get stuff from them all the time. And now you're just like. Hey, folks, do y'all want to know what the new flavor tastes like? Because I've got some delivered to me here. So let me do a live taste test on my Instagram. Like, I don't understand your life, Evan Swords. I don't understand it. Well, the the White Claw stuff is hilarious because it all ties back to Twitter. And it's why I'm such a big advocate for how great Twitter is as a social media platform. Um, I mean, the love is not returned. You're on account number four. (laughs) What are we on? Yeah, well, that's because I I can't get a hold of a real live person. Uh, But maybe (laughs) one day. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, you know, throughout all of my Twitter uh, accounts that I've had and talking about football and obviously the 49ers, which has been such a passion to me, you mm-hmm. know, one one day, uh, one of the people at, at White Claw reached out and, you know, I mean, you followed me for a long time. So you kind of know, like originally I was just like, oh, White Claw just came out. I really like White Claw. I've never mm-hmm. been a big beer person. I really thought beers taste trash. I hate IPAs. So, right, White Claw comes out and it's this 5% alcohol that they try to make taste reasonably good and they're easy to drink. It's only a hundred calories. And, you know, for me, I like, you know, lifting and taking care of my body. Yada, yada. I'm like, Oh, this is great. I live in LA. It's a great, you know, sun drink being out at the pool, the lake, whatever, yada, yada. Like it's a, it's a good summer drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, yo, this thing is for me. I'm so excited. I finally have something that I like and it got really popular 
And it became a thing where like when White Claw and all these memes about White Claw started to come out, you know, like Trevor Wallace, who was like, uh, there's no laws drinking White Claws or whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Um, people just kind of associated me as the White Claw person. So whenever there was a meme, everyone would tag me in it or send it to me. Whenever mm-hmm. they drank White Claw, they'd take a photo and be like, yo, Evan, I just tried it. You know, like I just kind of became naturally the white claw guy. I never Mm -hmm. even like tagged white claw. I was never like, Hey, send me free things or Hey, whatever. I literally just generated, I guess, like a conversation about white claw just because I liked it, which I think is cool. Um, cause like, you know, I'm a big brand loyalist, right? I, I am, I like, you know, if I, the things that I like, I'll shout them out. I want them to be successful. Just like when your friends do something, you want them to be successful and give five star reviews for the Chase Thomas podcast. Um, so one day they reach out to me and they're just like, Hey, you know, we really appreciate all the conversation you're driving about White Claw. We want to send you to Vail, Colorado for a weekend of snowboarding. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not going to give you my credit card you scammer like you know like i immediately was like this isn't real but it mm. was literally from the the verified white claw account so i like was like i'm kind of interested in hearing more like let me know mm-hmm. and i found out no this is very much so hey this is legit they want to send you in a plus one for free for a weekend in vale colorado snowboarding to mm-hmm. sh- test the new flavors um and that was just kind of the start of the relationship i am a white claw brand ambassador. I don't get paid. They obviously send me a bunch of really dope free swag. I don't know if you can see all of it, but down there, there's a tennis racket. As you can see right here, these are custom white claw, uh, painted air force ones right here. You can't uh, see, but right out of frame, I have a white claw skateboard, uh, like a very high not even close. I rollerbladed okay. growing up. <laughs> but see, but, yeah. I can see you being a skateboarder. I don't know. I could see you being a skater. Counterculture. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, but, maybe yeah. snowboard, isn't it the same kind of principles? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely is. Rollerbladers mm-hmm. usually went skiing and skateboarders went snowboarding. But I, oh, I didn't know that, that went one one. Uh, I went zero four on all of that. Never really yeah. did any of the four. Well, you grew up in what? Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where there's no mountains. <laughs> That's true. That's, so, I mean, yeah. It's really just what like rollerblading, though. Uh, it's just like football it. and strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mostly just traffic. Like you just spend a lot of time in a car. That's right. that's growing up in Atlanta. Is you just yeah. you spend a lot of time going to places that should not take that amount of time to get there. A lot of a lot of time spent in the car uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but outside of that, Mister Swords, what else? Uh, what else is new with you? How are you feeling? Any new dietary changes? Any new life changes? Any new gym stories? Other than the brand new flavor of White Claw Passion. Oh, yeah. You didn't even tell me. Just released. Yeah, you never even told me what it was. Excuse me one second. Mm -hmm. Is he going to get this? What's happening? We're going to go ahead and uh, you can use this as a, a little clip. Okay, this is part of the pod. I didn't know what was happening. You just got up and left the pod. Yeah, well, I mean, as much as I love uh, you Mm. know the Chase Thomas pod and the Chase Thomas pod followers and listeners, I feel like you know as long as this podcast is going to be out tomorrow, I've already you know posted about it on my Twitter. But for the listeners, Mm. you could be one of the first people to know what the brand new White Claw flavor is. (laughs) It's not even out yet. Yeah, and so I'd like to introduce you all. 
to White Claw Passion Fruit. Brand new flavor. Not okay. even out yet. Literally a Chase Thomas <laughs> podcast exclusive. <laughs> Brand. <laughs> yeah. How is that? What uh, it taste I, like? what, so describe I, the taste. I tried it last night. So that, like yeah. my claw in general has a bunch of different flavor profiles. Like mm-hmm. mango and pineapple are very, very sweet, kind of like syrupy, sugary. Um, mm-hmm. Lemon and lime and tangerine are more seltzery. Uh, do you ever like have like a vodka soda or a tequila soda when you go out? What you're just like a you just got like a black coffee, right? Like basically <laughs> that was your drink of choice when you go to the bar. Uh, when I went to the bars back in the day, I mean, you're going to judge me, but like Coors Light was my go-to. Like that was basically all I drank was Coors Light. And when also, I- well, it was a combination. So if I was, if I was doing stuff, then I was like, if I was really going after it, then I was doing the combination of Coors Light and, um, but what is it called? Uh, green tea shots. Like the combination of those two green, nothing will ever top top a green tea shot. Like that is so- the most delightful. Thing. I will say the reason why mm-hmm. I like White Claw so much growing up, mm-hmm. I hated the taste of beer too. So I would always get like a Bud Light or a Coors Light and a shot of mm-hmm. tequila. Shot of, you know, shot of tequila yeah. to get drunk and a, yes. the beer just to be able to talk to people mm-hmm. while you have to have a sip and drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so anyways, uh, this passion fruit brand uh, mm-hmm. flavor is is more seltzery. So it reminds me kind of like a vodka soda or a tequila okay. soda, right? Where it's not like just overtly like you know, whatever. You can probably drink a bunch of them during the summer at a pool or river. Mm-hmm. And, you know, either or. We are in Tennessee, so river is definitely the way to go. Right. Have you ever been tubing? Oh, yeah. I love I love floating. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I obviously grew up in Portland, Oregon, which is like, you know, other than the city of Portland, everything else around it is nature. So, yeah, I have mm-hmm. definitely done many of floats in my life. But you're not a nature guy. You've been very adamant on this podcast that you're an indoors enthusiast. I am not a nature person, but I am a, I want to go hang out and have fun and get drunk with my friends. You yes. know, when I was younger, right? Like now I'm more of like, so you're making, it was one of those where you just want to hang out with your friends. So you're like, if that's what I they want to do, I guess that's what I'm doing. I was making a business decision, right? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, I want to, I want to hang out with my friends. I want to have fun. They want to go float. No, but I mean, like, I also would say like, I'm not a nature person, but yeah. like floating the river is not like a, Oh, like, let's go to the Audubon Society and learn about bugs. Like, that's just a, it's nice out. Let's get in the water and hang out with our friends. Mm. I think that's a little bit, I don't know if that would just be considered a pure nature thing, you know? I'm a strong uh, proponent of both. I tell uh, the sports renaissance women this. It's like, it, people want to put you in boxes or they think about stuff. But I'm like, I am a strong city person. Like, I love cities, like major cities. And I also love the country. There's no middle ground. Like I love them both equally for very different reasons. Um, but there's nothing like being in downtown Atlanta or just hanging out in the city. And there's nothing like being in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. Like there's no like those are well, the two best ways to do it. I think you like the city, but you also like being left alone and getting yes. out into the country is the best way to do that. Hundred percent. Like the quiet and like I just. <laughs> It's incredible. Like, uh, yes, being left alone is just the the path for me in my thirties, Evan. But that's just like I'm. You know, I'm a grandpa. Like, I've I've yeah. done it, been there, done that. I, I'm in left alone zone. Like, well, I gotta, your I'm, your like, entire job and career is constantly talking to people. Yes. So it's like when you're done, the last thing you want to go do is talk to a stranger that you don't even know. Like, I get it. That is true. 
Um, it's not yeah. like Triple H goes home and like suplexes <laughs> his, his wife, you know, like I'm sure once he's done wrestling, right, he wants to go <laughs> home and not, you know, it's not like Ray Mysterio is like going to the store and giving someone the Hurricane Rana because they don't give him the discount he's looking for on a can of beans. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> oh, that was for you, by the way. I know you like wrestling, so yeah, I, really, I appreciate really that. Deliver that for you. You you stuck the landing, sir. Like that was good. I didn't yeah. know where that was going, but I like that. Triple H this week. It could be a big week for him. He might be de- debuting on AEW, as you know. Uh, I had no clue. I knew that was literally just about the wrestlers I knew growing up. Yeah. Um, well, very cool. Very cool. Evan, let's uh let's hit on some some actual NFL stuff uh this yeah. evening. Um we're gonna get to a Super Bowl preview in our predictions, but um is there anything new? our time our team we usually start things off with our own team you lost your oc um to the miami dolphins uh mm-hmm. so he yeah. is miami bound anthony lynn has entered the fold in anthony lynn mm-hmm. that's the big one i don't know about you and i mean i'd love to know your opinion but i'll definitely like th- throw this out there real quick that is like let's go back to or you know some of the older chase thomas podcasts mm-hmm. where i where i would literally say Correct me if you heard this before. Kyle Shanahan needs a proven coach with head coaching experience to come in and be an adult in the room to give him insight. I always talked about how Kyle had a rookie defensive coordinator, a rookie offensive coordinator, right? Like he was surrounded by all of these people that really like had not very much experience. Mm -hmm. And I love Love Anthony Lynn, who's a run game genius, but also just a really great offensive mind in general. Coming in, you know, he's he used to play for uh, Mike Shanahan. He's known Kyle for 20 years. I love the idea of him coming in and giving some insight in, you know, probably much needed uh, help and perspective that, you know, Kyle probably hasn't gotten a lot lately. What did you think about it? Like, did any of those things cross your mind? It's the good assistant head coach thing where it's just like the associate head coach type, like what you're talking about, where it's not even just being an adult. It's just having a good veteran sounding board that he respects, that is someone that's going to push him, that's someone he knows and trusts. Because I think Kyle's like one of those people you have to like, he has to already respect you in a mm-hmm. big way. To And I think he has a very strong respect towards Anthony Lynn. And I think he looks at it as like a big get to be able to bring him into the fold um into san francisco but also just that like this team is now built around a mobile quarterback a swiss army knife and um and debo samuel who just renamed himself as like a wide back new position for him um you have trey sermon you have elijah mitchell this is a team that uh they're going to live and die by what they do on the ground and bringing in somebody like anthony lynn to replace a great coordinator like mcdaniel is a big thing. So I think they avoided um, some real problems as this coaching staff continues to get picked off Robert saw last year and McDaniel this year. But I think they did a great job with that. And I think Lynn is going to be a really, really good option and a really good piece to uh, getting everything back on track and making sure the Niners are okay going into next year. I think it's uh, it makes sense all across the board. And I think, um, I don't know, Lynn's good. And I mean, he worked with Tyrod Taylor, in LA um, might know, be a good backup option now. Right. 
exactly. Like I like the idea of bringing in Tyrod to back up Lance and just having Lance to just have another veteran in the room you, with him. You actually spoke, and I, I don't want to pass it too far, but like mm-hmm. Trey Sermon is one of the most exciting backs to come out of the draft last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Ohio State really saw an incredible version of Trey Sermon. Mm-hmm. He didn't see the field this year. Obviously, you know, early on he had issues, uh, maybe missing practices. There was rumors about him kind of being a little bit of a uh, jerk, if you will, uh, or maybe just like an ego kind of thing. Um, Anthony Lynn coming in and being able to give maybe, you know, not necessarily be a good guy, bad cop, you know, thing like that, but like definitely just give – Trey, someone that he can maybe confide in or like learn from. I love that opportunity because Elijah Mitchell was great most of the year, but as we saw in the playoffs, Elijah Mitchell really wasn't able to find that magic that he found earlier in the year. Trey Sermon is going to be needed. Trey Sermon, the way he plays, plays very well with the type of athlete that Trey Lance is. They have the same first name. I don't know if there's anything there yet, but there could be moving forward. Yeah, people forget that. It's important that Trey Sermon finds success next year. And I love this hire. It's just, to me, you know, it sucks that the 49ers have lost in like epic proportions the last couple of years. But I do think that this is a great example of, whereas they have lost, this is how good teams stay good. You know what I'm saying? Like they really are making smart decisions for the future and that's how they continue. I do think it's also interesting though. There is some pressure here where it's like, by bringing in Lynn, you know what you also brought in here? You brought in an interim. You brought in someone that if it's not going well, Kyle, and Trey Lance is struggling through 11 games, you have a proven head coach waiting in the wings who can manage this thing the rest of the way. Like, it's one of those where I, I don't think that will happen, but that is something to always keep an eye on is like, if things were to go bad, you have an associate head coach who can who could step right in and fill that void if it came to it. So Anthony Lynn is like literally like 20 years like Anthony Lynn is like family to the Shanahan's like mm-hmm. if that were to happen Anthony Lynn is not staying around you know what I'm saying I think more so that I and I wanted to speak on this too and you make a great point just in terms of like the, that head coaching experience mm-hmm. the 49ers saw compensation for a minority head coach uh hiring in Robert Sala right uh, they are going to see compensation again for a minority uh coaching hire from uh Mike McDaniel, right? If Anthony Lynn comes in and, you know, already has head coaching experience and then goes on, you know, to become a head coach again, which I do think he has the potential to be a good head coach. I think, you know, he obviously had some issues. Um, We'll have to look at the Shanahan organization with the 49ers as, as I wear my Megan race. uh, Shout out to Meg uh, Reyes. Yeah, uh, more female, black, with Latinx, indigenous voices in sports. Like they're doing a very good job of of you know being, you know, how, what's the word? Being an advocate for yeah. you know the minority class and in, in in uh you know in sports in general. Like they've done. I mean, so many hires have come from this coaching tree already and it's just it's an incredible and i think that's another great move right like if anthony lynn comes in and he's here for a year or two and then gets a head coaching position like it's great he deserves another one i think he's one of the coaches that um definitely deserves um another shot and he wasn't a disaster in la he's pretty solid per and he's a good coordinator hire he's a good 
uh, I liked who he did on that front, and I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I think Lynn is one of those who should get another shot somewhere um, after this run in San Francisco. Uh, fingers crossed it all goes well there. Um, on the Falcons' front, man, uh, not a whole lot. Kyle Pitts scored a touchdown in uh, the Pro Bowl, and they made a big joke where Kyle Pitts, I think, <laughs> tweeted out that, like, my first touchdown in America or something. Yep. Um, that was great. Uh, love that for our number uh, top 10 pick in the past uh, 2021 NFL draft, uh, not scoring a touchdown for my team uh, this past year. So that was, that was fun. Um, but man, there's so much uncertainty with uh, where the Falcons are going to go um, in the draft. Uh, Calvin Ridley complicates everything uh, with what the Falcons are going to do. Grady Jarrett, could we move him? Um, you know, I was, I was down bad when I spent like 25 minutes watching Darren Hall tape this week, fourth round pick and watching his stuff late in the year. And I was like, Oh, he might be something. Cause he was, he had to step in with Isaiah Oliver going down late, but um, I don't know. The NFC South is up for grabs next year. Evan Brady's out of the bucks. The Panthers are an absolute mess and the saints are now uh, going with Dennis yeah. Allen. So, I mean, it's the NFC South is suddenly just, right there for the taking for Atlanta. Um, and they have the most continuity uh, with Ryan and company, but I'm very I curious got, to see what the Falcons do this offseason. I can't say that enough. People, you know, Dennis Allen is a safe hire. He's got a lot of respect within the organization with the Saints, and I, I you know, I appreciate that he's got head coaching experience, all the above. I think the Saints are have a long road ahead of them. Uh, I think the Panthers, uh, you know, they've gotten close to having some success. But I think with what's happening with McCaffrey and what they might look to do this offseason, like I think there's going to be a lot of instability there, too. It is funny, but like realistically speaking, the Falcons can make some good moves this offseason and really, you know, they really can actually like compete to take over the NFC South, which is not something I don't think I would have expected at the beginning of last year. You know, it'd be nice if Calvin Ridley was back, um, but I have no idea. Well, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be, he'll no, play. He's, he's played his, yeah, he's yeah, played his last. Just not with the, with not with the Falcons. All I want is an explanation. That's all I want. There's been no explanation. There's been no further comment. Like he's just going to be a Patriot, and I'm just going to hate it. Like he's just going to be a Patriot and a Pro Bowler next year, and we got some compensation. But we're going to have to use what sucks, Evan, is that like we're going to have to use one of our high picks on a receiver. We just have to. And we shouldn't have to because Calvin Ridley was a hit. And this is just, uh, I'm very frustrated with that stuff. But, um, well, let's talk about some of the other head coaching changes, Mr. Sword. So we have Dennis Allen get the job uh, in New Orleans. He's promoted from within. Um, I had Ross Jackson on, who folks will hear after this uh, portion of the pod of Locked on Saints. Ross um, Ross Jackson, who is currently in L.A. at Radio in my yeah, we city. Watch- yeah, we had the video of uh, him in Radio Row. It's pretty cool. It was like I was on Radio Row with him. It's pretty yeah. pretty cool. Um, so shout out to Ross and the good folks over there. And we talked all about the Saints and where they're going and all that kind of stuff. But the big surprise was Lovey Smith to the Texans. Your guy Mike McDaniel going to the Finns. Um, I don't know. I think this is this is pretty fascinating uh, across the board. Uh, how the chips ultimately fell here. Of those names, who are you most uh, who are you most curious about going into next year? Well, I mean, curious is a, it's there's a it's a broad word. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious about Dennis Allen because I think he's a good coach and can have success, but I think there's a lot of issues in New Orleans, so I'm kind of wondering how that play out plays out. Um, but 
you know, CJ McCollum just went to the Pelicans, so they're a basketball town now. Um, no, well, but real you're, you're Blazers, man. They're ripping them. Blazers are doing fine. I don't know what people are talking about. Like, this is fine. Like, Bla- Dame's out for the year. You're recalibrating. You have cap space. I'm making the case for your Blazers, Evan. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna withhold judgment on what they're the, doing for the issue. Like, yeah, the issue with the Blazers is and always will be their inability to sign free agents. Yeah. And big name free agents, right? They're always bargain men shopping. Not no knock on the Norm Pals of the world, or mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, the Gerald Wallaces or anything like that. But you know that's their big issue. So I do I do think that they are they're clearing the board to have room mm-hmm. to do something. It's just a matter of if they can execute. Uh, but to answer, yeah, you know, what were you going to say? By the way, I don't want to just. Well, no, that was just uh, what I was getting at there. But I uh, I don't know. I'm curious, like with with those names like um who stands out to you um what what are you curious about like is i it think daniel is it with alan what uh what are you most curious about i so first and foremost i am a homer but i am a miami dolphins fan now um okay. absolutely you know the organization obviously is a little trash uh <laughs> lately in terms of what happened with flores and stuff like that but i do think there is room for context and we'll see how that plays out but I am absolutely excited for Mike McDaniel um, to, you know, potentially give some life. Miami Dolphins are a football team that I, I feel they're like one of those teams where like when they're good, the NFL is mm-hmm. better. I think the Dolphins are the type of organization, like, you know, especially whether it's Ace Ventura or the 1970, you know, seven Dolphins, the Donshaw uh, Dolphins. Like to me, the NFL is better when they're good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been a long time since that's happened. Uh, and I don't think two is the answer. You know, I think you might be a little more positive on that than I am. Uh, it does feel like Mike McDaniel just saw uh, Hawaiian Jimmy Garoppolo and was just like, let's go. Let's make it happen. Um, but more talent, though. I think he's naturally more talented. I don't know. People forget what he was doing in Alabama. The kid's talented. And I think people I, I'm most curious with him. is just like, can he fix the offensive line? Like, that's the main thing. If he fixes the offensive line, I think two is fine. You can win with two. You can win the AFC South. You can win, or the AFC East, excuse me. You can win the AFC potentially with Tua Tungabella. If the rest of the roster around him, similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, where if you get the right pieces around him, but it's just, it was just Jalen Waddle. And that offensive line was a joke last year. Their running game was a joke. Tua yeah. Tungabella gets all this crap. He wasn't the problem in Miami last year. He, yeah, he wasn't the problem, but it's the quarterback position, as we all have seen with yeah. uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. When you have a team that has some talent and they're not living mm. up to that, the, the quarterback's got to get the blame. And, you know, when you're a, a quarterback that was drafted over Justin Herbert, you come mm. from Alabama when you're one of the most winning uh quarterbacks in college football history there's gonna be high expectations um i am curious to see who mike mcdaniel takes from the 49ers organization from a coaching standpoint but Mm -hmm. also from a talent standpoint they have a couple key free agents this year Um, who are you thinking lakin tomlinson uh is a guy that's gonna get paid whether it's with us Mm -hmm. or another team and i'm sure a guy like lakin is going to want to be very familiar if he does leave uh, the 49ers and, you know, going to uh, that type of offense seems like a layup for him. So mm-hmm. I, I'm curious to see what happens there for sure. I'm pretty optimistic. I thought that was a pretty good hire because I thought they were going to really mess up here. I did not think they were going to go the right way, but they also did the thing that you and I talked about, which was that like with the Flores thing, you can't like they had to go offensive coach. 
like that was something that he did miss on was just hiring the wrong OCs. He did the co-OC stuff this year. Um, a lot of this falls on Chris Greer too for missing on Austin Jackson and missing on developing this offensive line to give to enough um, to succeed um, a la Joe Burrow with his wide receiver grouping right. and CJ Ozoma. And like, it's just, he didn't have that. Justin Herbert has all these weapons in LA Tua doesn't. And I think there is context needed when talking <laughs> about not. Tua. And I, uh, I'm pretty optimistic. You just had to find somebody who believes in Tua. And I think your point about he clearly believes in Tua. Um, I think that has to be part of it. Is like when you move on from Flores, who's a good NFL coach, the reason you're moving on is because you don't think um, he got enough. He doesn't believe in Tua. And you're backing your quarterback. And it's also like, I love the context of, do we not remember the Miami Dolphins history to this point? Like the last 20 years of quarterback play in Miami where you're just like. First off, all- Chad Pennington. Mm-hmm. Dude, put some respect on Chad Henney and Chad Pennington. <laughs> right, exactly. John Beck, Cleo Lemon. I mean, I can go up and down the list, man. Like, uh, Oregon Duck legend. Mm-hmm. Joey, Harrington? Joey Harrington. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they've had, uh, they've had nothing but bad luck across the board there. How about give Tua a couple years? How about just wait this one out for a while? Like, this is the most talented quarterback you've had in the room in decades. Like, just ride this out he's also just a likable dude like just just do this and if there was a disconnect there then i understand why you had to change gears and you had to go with an offensive guy who comes from one of the most successful offensive coaching trees in the nfl like sean mcveigh kyle shanahan mike mcdaniel you go up and down the list i mean anthony lynn has had success you can just go the shanahan like you said the shanahan coaching tree is great like kubiak he won a super bowl in denver like it's one of those where if you're going to go all in on a quarterback and you need to know that you're going to put him in a, the best position to succeed, guess what? I'm going to go with the one who got Jimmy Garoppolo to two NFC title games in three years. Right. That's the guy I'm going after. And I think McDaniel, um, super likable dude, likable story, all that. I'm I'm excited if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan on February 8th. I would say this. We looked at Jimmy Garoppolo as a guy that was, you know, good enough in a lot of ways, not good enough mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, I think Tua can be that quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. And he's also on a rookie contract who's not poised for some giant contract extension, right? Like mm-hmm. right now, at this point, you're not going to give him that $150 million contract that, you know, another quarterback like Lamar Jackson might get eventually. He's got a couple of years. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I absolutely think that at the very least, he can be a bridge quarterback. At the very best, he could be, a you know, a starting quarterback for the team. Uh, they're in a good position. Uh, they have to make some draft picks. You know, they, they I've always thought they've had decent talent. They just haven't really taken advantage of it. This is a great time for the Dolphins, right? The Patriots are getting better, but they're still, by all means, not fully back. Um the Jets have no idea what they're doing at all. Uh, isn't it kind of funny that the two Kyle Shanahan disciples, though, exist in the AFC? Yeah. East? That's true. So, offense yeah. versus defense. Red versus blue. Squirtle versus Charmander. Oh, oh how about this? Who do you think is going to be the most ex- – who is going to be a co- – who is still the coach after four years with their current team? Because both guys are not getting four. Who do you think I've, gets four? I think McDaniels does. I think Salah's. Okay. I mean, I you can't not say Salah right now with how much they've struggled so far. You know, Zach you, Wilson you has to pop next year. Yeah, it comes down to Zach Wilson for him. If they missed on Zach, then it's over for him in uh, in New York. 
I bet you, I'll tell you this, I, I feel bad for Zach Wilson that he doesn't have Mike McDaniel. I bet you yeah. he's wishing he had a Mike McDaniel right now. He's probably wishing for a lot of things over there in, uh, in New York. But um, he's living his best life. He was at the BYU game. BYU who got crushed at Listen, home buddy, Gonzaga. You're probably one of the only human beings on earth that would say he's living his best life and follow it up with he was at the BYU <laughs> game. <laughs> it's a beautiful sit. Like you need to go to Provo. Um a BYU football game. Like there's some great views at BYU. Um shout out to the Kooks. Great look, great uniforms, great area. Utah's beautiful. I I've been to, to I've been to Salt Lake a a, a few How's times. How Salt Lake? Salt Lake is one of the most boring city. You know, Salt Lake <laughs> is the most boring city I've ever been to in my life. It, See, I'm not, not joking. It, it, no, but even no no no, it's not even you. It is this mm. tiny city. Mm. With nothing in it. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Even for like boring people, there's nothing there. Now, there are mountains, Park City, mm. Brighton. Right. Some of the most amazing snowboarding I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Really love snowboarding there. But yeah, their city is, you know, I grew up in a small city that had like stuff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have that. Have you broken anything snowboarding? I've never broken a bone. Huh. So have you never really had a bad injury hitting the slope? Um, no, hitting the slopes. No, I have a my my brain does a very good job of not allowing me to do things that will potentially hurt me. Okay, uh, I've never been the kind of guy to want to get into a fight. I ref- I was never the guy that was like, oh, let's go jump off this bridge into water. You know, yeah. like I have a pretty small threshold for like danger. Okay. So, like, even when I go snowboarding, like, I'm not, like, full send. I'm, like, I love just going, you know, I love going down the mountain. I love cruising. I love cutting, you know, cutting through snow and stuff like that. I would like to go off jumps, and I've done a few here and there. But, like, you know, I, I just, like, when I see, like, shout out to the, the Winter Olympics right now. When I see those acrobats in the air flying up and down, like, my body can't even comprehend mm-hmm. what it would be like to do that. Did you see the winter? Was it the Winter Olympics or the X Games um, with the guy who bounced off the one snowboarder and turned into a flip on the slopes? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm. You know, I follow snowboarding fairly decently now at this point. Yeah, you know, snowboarding for the last 20 years has been all about aerial flips and things like that. And now recently, Mm -hmm. you've snowboarders have started to think more about how they can manipulate. Uh, the ground and snowboards like in ramps and things like that. Like a lot of, uh, of a lot of the more popular tricks lately are like less about getting as high in the air as possible, but more about like kind of like an acrobatic, what can you do on the snow close to the snow, like doing uh, like a backflip or something while also using your hand to plant off the snow as you're going off, like really interesting stuff like that. So it is, it's been a lot of fun. Um, Have you done a flip on a snowboard? Yeah. Absolutely not. Okay. On a trampoline, what's the craziest many, thing you've done many times. Wait, so what's the craziest thing you've done on a snowboard to this point? Um, on a snowboard, mm-hmm. I mean, I you know, I tabletops. Uh, what is that? Like, rails and tabletops. Uh, so a tabletop okay. is like a box, right? Uh-huh. That's what it's called. So just kind of mm-hmm. like not even that fast, but just kind of going and just kind of like you know bouncing okay. off it, sliding down a little bit, hitting a rail, and then. I tried to do a rail that was like very low stakes and I, you know, fell like pretty handedly. Um, like I said, I am not a, I'm not a danger advocate, you know, 
Have you seen anyone else really eat it? Oh God, yeah. But I mean, like, just because of the nature of snowboarding being around, like, like half injury, like a bad injury. Have you seen anyone just oh, like break yeah. an ankle or something? No, 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 no. Okay, I've definitely seen people like. I mean, I myself have like full scorpion, right? Where like your legs <laughs> come over the top of your head. Uh, but no, that's incredible. Full scorpion. Um, it's a tech- yeah, I've never hit the slopes. Uh, the sports renaissance woman wants to make me go skiing at some point i don't know man you would love skiing you're just so boring you would love it (laughs) skiing is absolutely for you yes a very casual relaxed you know this is why fishing works so well for me in my age like i like just you're not like one day the pod's just gonna end and it's because like i just never left the water like i'm just in i'm like in a cabin by the lake and i'm just doing that every day and that's it I'm just like, uh, that's that's how I'm wrapping up here. Yeah, I feel, my like, books. I feel like if you and I like merged as to one human, like mm-hmm. we'd like be a full, a full, like all encompassing human being. Cause like it's possible, I cannot sit still for fishing. Mm-hmm. I just like my brain just can't handle that. Mm-hmm. So like See, it I'm, relaxes me like that's it turns my brain off and it's like one of the most therapeutic running and fishing like running like my run today was like today was best running weather ever like 50 degrees is the is just the creme de la creme for running yeah. like it's unreal how good you feel running in 50 degree weather um and i've missed that so much and with my knees back like being able to hit that every day like hitting the pavement super therapeutic super therapeutic but like my brain just shuts off and i'm just so relaxed on my runs like um, it's amazing how unaware I am to my surroundings when I'm doing that. Those kind of activities are just my bread and butter to just like not think about sports or the pot or work or anything. It's just, you know, what is very therapeutic that I think you can appreciate mm. chopping vegetables. Okay. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. Cause I like, I don't do many things that are like relaxing. Like my downtime is like playing like aggressive call of duty and like, <laughs> you know, like just like really like competing as much as humanly possible. At, like, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, but every time I like have to cut vegetables for cooking and stuff, I'm like, this is really very therapeutic. I'm just kind of like, yeah. just mindless, just turning the brain off and go. This naturally brings us, uh, to Kyler Murray. <laughs> Gosh, what's going on there, Evan? What do you think? If you had to, your best guess on what do you think Kyler's end game is here? What would you guess it is? Well, I mean, unfortunately, um, I can't just guess because I do know some things that I can't say out loud. Wait, um, you can just say sources say. That's all you no, got to do. You throw no, sources say. No, 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 I can't. Um, what I will say is this. Okay. Kyler Murray is in the middle of a negotiation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Steve Kime is. Very notably, and, you know, I mean, he's got all the track record. Um, what word? Kind of a D-bag, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's just, I mean, look at his track record. He got a DUI. Uh, he's always, like, kind of like that, whatever. I would imagine Kyler is probably looking at this situation, like, give me the, I, I want to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. And I think he deserves it, right? Like he, you know, like there's going to be a higher paid quarterback after him. There will be a higher paid, you know, highest paid quarterback before him. He's just simply saying, like, give it to me. And I would imagine that that's just maybe not going very well in terms of like him wanting the respect that he feels he deserves because he very much so is the reason why Arizona has seen a resurgence lately. 
So I would imagine if contract negotiations stalled or aren't going great, uh, you know, what does your agent do? Go to your social media and get rid of literally everything that says Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's going to generate a conversation. It's going to make people think there's something wrong. It's going to get fans freaked out and scared. It, it's mm-hmm. a great move, right? Yeah. I just don't think if you're Steve Kime or Keem or however you pronounce it, you Kime. don't have you don't have any negotiation power here at all. I disagree. Um, I think he does. So if Kyler, so this is interesting. This we haven't seen this before, and I wonder if we start to see this more uh, with these young quarterbacks. Um, and I'm sure he looked at Josh Allen, who got paid after his early success in Buffalo and stuff like that. But the problem here. Um, if you're the Arizona Cardinals is that like you just watch what the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson, which was that like we found lightning in a bottle. We were able to spend a bunch of money around him. He was on a rookie deal. We got our Super Bowl. Bing, bang, boom, paid him after the fact. Life got significantly harder year over year after paying Russell Wilson. The Arizona Cardinals know they make Kyler Murray one of the highest paid NFL quarterbacks going into next year their lives become increasingly more complicated. The window for the Cardinals to win a Super Bowl becomes extremely limited. You can't bring in DeAndre Hopkins if Kyler is on the kind of contract that he's in before that. So Kyler, and I wonder if more athletes misunderstand this, where it's like, you're going to hurt the team. Like ultimately, what is your end goal here? Because you're a franchise quarterback in the NFL. You are a top 10, top 15 quarterback at worst right now, Kyler. Barring injury, you're getting paid. You will at some point. It's like this never-ending cycle where you're going to become the, the like Kirk Cousins was there at one point, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like you're eventually going to be at the top of the quarterback food chain. Let's see if we can win a Super Bowl before you become top of the food chain. Let's see what we can still put around you before we give you the bag because the bag's coming. It came for every quarterback. Like and it will never stop. This is a quarterback-driven league. Super Bowls are won this way. I don't know. I'd be like, man, we'll just find another one. We can find Kyler Murray's, man. We can find quarterbacks. Oh, come, on. Yet- come on. You have can you find seen- Kyler Murray's? Who doesn't have a good quarterback anymore? It's not Look about a league. good quarterback. It's not about, you know, it's not about have a good quarterback. Who are well, what I'm most, saying is like, it's almost impossible. Most exciting now. quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that, but what I'm saying is like, you just you do what they just did. That. No, they did. So what I'm saying is that they they can do is they were like, Rosen didn't work. Guess what? We're doing it again. We're just go. We're wasting another quarter. Like you can go first round quarterback every year and eventually you're going to hit another superstar. That's what I would keep doing is like if he wants out and he wants to get paid before that five year window. Guess what? You're out of here. Like unless you're Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers 2.0, you're out of here. Like that is how I would do it because it's like, what's the point of having a quarterback on his rookie deal? if he wants to get paid early, like that defeats the whole purpose, this whole advantage that these teams have when they, here's the, okay, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Is there an advantage to a Super Bowl run and window when a quarterback is on a rookie pay scale? Yes, absolutely. Does that mean that every single team is obligated to try and win a Super Bowl only during a rookie contract? No, absolutely not. It is a business. Kyler Murray's job is not, Win a Super Bowl. I mean, before. that should be his focus this early. No, 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 no. Kyler, Mur- Kyler Murray is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. He's very exciting mm-hmm. talent. That's going to be a very good quarterback for a long period of time. God willing, hopefully. His job is not, 
help the team win a Super Bowl while he's not getting paid. I mean, he's getting paid. He's, no, no, he's no, getting paid. No, 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 no. We've seen injuries happen. We've seen what happens. No, he's got some his, endorsements. Kyler's no, fine. No, 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 no. You need to stop with that. His job is not to be fine. His job is to make the most money that he deserves to make. Well, that's not his job. Playing the game of football. That's mm-hmm. why he's here. He is here. It is a business. He is here to make money because he has a he has a talent that is you know, it, that is a part of a multi-billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. And can they win a foot? How many, how many Super Bowl winning teams last 10 years did it on a rookie quarterbacks? Now I have to pull this up. Um, Cause it's can, Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Let me think. Was it Patrick? Uh, I think Patrick. Well, hold on. So this is something we have to mention. So it's not a rookie scale, but, the Patriots, Tom Brady taking less year over year and always. Yeah, but like he just, took less and it, but it wasn't like rookie pay less. No, I mean, he was not one of the top 10 quarterbacks in football. Like he was someone who still took less so that the team can continue adding pieces but, around yeah, for him. The, for the sake of it, rookie contracts. Uh, Carson Wentz technically because um, he got injured and then Foles got, he was having an MVP. But, even, but uh, even still, I wouldn't call that. That's just a dumb luck. Joe Burrow right now. Um, let me see. Russell Wilson is the winner. Russell Wilson is the winner. I'm going through here. Lamar was close. Um, right, but that's what we're talking about Super Bowl winners because that's the whole point. It's not about getting the cloud a lot of that. What I'm saying is the Patriots cloud a lot of that. Um, Mahomes did it. I forgot about Mahomes. Right, that's what I said. Mahomes and Wilson are the two teams, yeah, two quarterbacks. That's, but they also, I don't know that it's a lot of Mahomes, a lot of Brady, a lot of the same same faces. So I don't know if that's the best yeah. value judgment there. So that's to me, it's just Kyler Murray needs to do what's best for him and get paid. That's you know he's going to work. He's helping them win football games. He's turning their franchise around, and it's it's time for contract negotiation. But like, if you're a Cardinals fan, do you have a right to be really pissed at? Kyler Murray at the moment. No. Oh, see, I do. I think you have a right to be pissed off about this. <laughs> One sec. Excuse me. <laughs> there is never a time or moment in any NFL player their entire career where their their number one priority should not be do what's best for them to make money. Mm-hmm. Never should they give up money. You're not giving up money. Tom, you, you, the big thing that people talk about is, oh, Tom Brady took less. Tom mm-hmm. Brady was making millions of dollars on the side with this side. So is Kyler. No, with his side business that was specifically connected to the organization. Okay. Kyler Murray doesn't have that. Endorsements don't count. Tom Brady was making more, more. Mm-hmm than every single other quarterback in the NFL with his little TB12 through mm-hmm. the, the Patriots organization. He wasn't taking a pay cut. He was just doing it in a way that is not technically cheating, but is cheating. Period. All that being said, there is something too, like he <laughs> taking the pay cuts and doing stuff like that and getting paid older. Like Kyler hasn't proven anything yet. Can you win a playoff game? Can you do something before you just, I, I don't know. I understand. And I agree with your general point, which is that these guys have to look out for themselves because these teams are not going to look out for them. I agree with that point. 
But if you're a fan, you're like, hey, we finally, like a Cardinals fan, you're like, wow, we finally have a superstar quarterback, a franchise guy. We have this cool window where our offense is awesome. We have DeAndre Hopkins. And if we're healthy, like we were able to take a swing at JJ Watt because um, Kyler was on a rookie deal. Like that helps them to continue to build a team that might be able to win a Super Bowl. You pay Kyler now, it's just, it, it, it throws a huge linchpin in long-term success and, or short-term success rather. And I get it from Kyler's perspective, but if you're a fan of the team, you have, I think it's fair for you to be like, man, this sucks. Like this could really blow up and this could really mess up something that we thought might be a, a cool little window we had um, to spend a bunch and add the Hopkins and the Watts of the world and really go for it early on in Kyler's, tenure and then we pay him and then we just see what happens from then on out but pay him now all that's uh is kind of out the wayside i don't know i i think if you're a fan of the cardinals you have a right to be mad at kyler murray if you're a fan and you're mad at kyler murray for trying to get paid you're just you're you're a bad fan I should you should you hope to god that they maximize mm-hmm. their their window that they have while they are on a rookie quarterback scale absolutely mm-hmm. but here's the thing how are you doing that, though, if Kyler paid and DeAndre paid? Well, here's the thing. They did it this year. They mm-hmm. got J.J. Watt. They got mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins. They just they, weren't healthy at the right time down the stretch. DeAndre but, wasn't but, there. But, but that's not that's not Kyler Murray's fault. I'm not saying it is. No, no, no. But, like, why is that Kyler Murray's fault? Your argument, his- your argument is take advantage of the window that they get with mm-hmm. the rookie contract scale. They did this year. It didn't work. Well, it's not a one-year thing. You can do it right. for a couple more years. Right, but it is a year, right? And now mm-hmm. and now it's time for contract negotiations. He doesn't yeah. have – I mean, like, first off – I don't know. That's just not how my – His contract, his contract can be written so that it is, you know, backloaded. Like, it doesn't have to – like, it doesn't mean that next year they're going to have no cap space. Like, they can backload that contract. There's ways to write it. Like, I mean, I'm a 49ers fan. Parag Moth is the the greatest contract writer in probably NFL history. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't mean that, but like that's Kyler Murray is like okay, yeah, we tried, we did, it didn't work, we had that opportunity, we'll have another one next year, but pay me my money. I don't know. It's just a weird vibe after two seasons in the NFL. Like I I don't know. It's a weird vibe for me. It's a weird vibe. By the uh, way, on that last note, uh, mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald was just uh, quoted, which is funny because, like, why why even talk about this? Uh, but mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald was like, I, you know, I hope that they just both, uh, you know, play nice and something to the effect of, yeah, I hope, mm-hmm. you know, I hope everything works out. <laughs> we'll see. Um, last thing, we'll do our Super Bowl predictions here, Mr. Swords. Uh, Devin Hester said something this week that I thought was fascinating. And I did like do a double take, but like he thinks he should be a Hall of Famer. And I thought about it for a second and I was like, you know, I think Devin Hester is a first ballot Hall of Famer because the whole point of the Hall of Fame is to uh, just put in, put something together where fans, when they go and attend it in Canton, they're like, oh, yeah, that there is the best special teams guy of all time, like that you need the best special teams player in NFL history in Canton. Like he was a integral part, like his opening kick return versus the Colts in the Super Bowl with the bears was iconic. And just what he was able to do 
was just unparalleled, like across the board. And I thought about it and I'm like, man, I think he should be a first bout Hall of Famer because what he did was so unique. And I think he's part of the NFL story, which is that like when you think of like the last 20 to 30 years in the NFL, one of the names you that pops up is like Devin Hester was insane. Like Devin Hester was able to just change games and special teams, which most returners are never able to do like it i thought about it and i'm like you know devin hester should be a hall of famer what do you think i appreciate that we talk about it because it needs to be talked about but like anybody that thinks that devin hester isn't a hall of famer has no concept of what football is as a sport devin hester completely changed a position devin hester made a position that for all intents and purposes was never going to really matter punt returner kick returner like you know whatever and may, he became one of the most exciting players in the NFL uh, and did it consistently. He broke records. He changed the game of football in terms of that position. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I understand where people are like, well, what about other people? Blah, blah, blah. blah. Like, yeah, yes. Uh, you know, I've been saying that Roger Craig needs to be in the, the Hall of Fame for a very long time now. But that doesn't mean that Devin Hester is any less deserving. Devin Hester like is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Famer. I like it. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, well, let's hit on the Super Bowl. How do you see it going? What's your pick? It's late February 8th. Um, you've had a, a week to think about it. Evan, how do you think this ultimately goes? I, you know... I, brain says Rams heart says bangles. You know, I, I, I heard that a lot from smart people where they're like all we've, everything's brain. Like the brain all says the Rams. Like there's no way for the brain not to say the Rams here, but then they're like, but it's Joe Burrow. And like the heart says that Joe Burrow has just been in this spot the last three weeks. And has just beaten the team that they were not supposed to beat the last three weeks. Maybe that's just how it goes. Um, I don't know. I, I'm picking the Bengals until Joe Burrow loses. I'm not. I'm not picking against him. Here's what I thought, and this is my big. This is hard to say. I mean, the Rams just. I mean, this hurt to you, Justin Herbert. Uh, I mean, not even that. Not even that. mm -hmm. Not even that. Matt Stafford has been in the NFL for 15 years, Mm -hmm. almost. He deserves it. He played for the Lions for a very long time. Joe Burrow's not going anywhere. This is Mm -hmm. his second second season. Joe Burrow is going to be around for a very long time. Their Super Bowl window with all of their offensive players paid, right? Like they're great. I don't want the Rams to win. I don't want the city of LA to win. I don't want the NFC West rival to win, but I really do want Matt Stafford to win. I think he is a guy that genuinely he did it the right way, right? He got drafted to a team that, was the worst team in the NFL for a very long time. He stuck around and he, you know, he genuinely came and tried to make that team better every single week. And, you know, they traded him, right? And here he is now and he's ready to take the Rams uh, to the Super Bowl. Uh, There's a lot of players on there like Andrew Whitworth, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., um, obviously Stafford, like those are guys that I want to win a Super Bowl. I hate that it's with the Rams, uh, but I want them to win a Super Bowl. 
I I would rather see Matt Stafford win a ring right now than Joe Burrow, who will have plenty of opportunities. Because if Matt Stafford wins a ring, I think that's a really nice way to, you know, put a little cherry on the top of his legacy. Mm-hmm. But if he loses, it'll it'll always be like, oh man, like that sucks that he made it that one time and and never won. Say he never goes back to the Super Bowl again, right? Would you bet a hundred dollars right now that Joe Burrow will never be back to a Super Bowl? I won't. He's got the Bengals thing working against him. It was thirty three years in between Super Bowls for Cincy. Um it's hard, man, to get back. I it's won. not a Chiefs thing. It's not like you're just Patrick Mahomes and you can just get back um year over year i don't know i don't think it's that simple um i would like to believe so but a hundred dollars no i also wouldn't want to do that against my man joe burrow i wouldn't want to do that to joey b i'm not betting against joey b my my point is just like but it's also amazing i get what you're saying where it's like he has more opportunities and this is it for stafford because they're not going back next but i also understand your point of view right where it's you you are of the mind that you are not allowed to ever go back to the super bowl unless you're on a rookie contract right like we've (laughs) established that you literally like it cannot be done needs to win a super bowl now i don't think listen let me put it this way with the right coach the right gm and and the right ownership all the above i don't think it's that hard the 49ers have been a very bad team many times, many times. And they've sniffed the Super Bowl five times in the last however many years um, mm-hmm. and been to two of them. Joe Burrow is that guy. They've got the, yeah, they've got the staff. They're, they're on the contract. Like they'll be around for a while. And in a division too, like, I don't think that the Ravens are ever going to get there and the Steelers are just got rid of their quarterback. I mean, like unless Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson ends up in Pittsburgh, like Joe Burrow's very much so in control of that division for a long time. I mean, we should see, I mean, I don't know the Steelers. I mean, they made the playoffs again this year. Um, we'll see what they do at uh, receiver or at quarterback. I mean, I'm not betting it's Mike Tomlin not to figure it out. Um, and we'll see who their new GM is because Kevin Colbert uh, retiring up there in Pittsburgh. I saw Lewis Riddick was getting an interview, which is fascinating. So, uh, former Pitt player uh, back in the day, former Pitt Panther Lewis Riddick. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it the odds are better than the NFC. The NFC is more jumbled at the top. Like the NFC is the better conference, and it's been the better conference for the last couple of years now. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't know. That's a good Ben Roethlisberger. You say that. That's a very. I like that. Uh, that's something that we should focus on. Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady have been dominating that that division for the Super Bowl contention. And Peyton for, Manning too. Yeah. Yeah. It for was 15, history. twenty years. So like, yeah. So uh, to wrap it up on a bow, though, as you asked, um, I think the Rams win. Okay. How confident are you? Not confident. Would you put 50 on it? I wouldn't bet on it just because I. Yeah. Hmm. I think it like, what are, what are the chances that you think it's a blowout in either way? I don't think there's any chance this game's a blowout. I don't think it's an, I don't think it's a blowout unless like Burrow goes full, full, like young guy implosion. 
Mm-hmm. Right. But I don't think he's not imploding. That's not happening. Joe Burrow. Like if there is an implosion uh, that happens me, in this I, game, it's Stafford. Stafford's the I, one who implodes in this game. I, I, I don't think that that happens with Burrow and I don't think Stafford does either, but I'm saying like, that's the only like, like thing that doesn't thing that could happen. That's not likely to happen. Um, you know, like I just think about Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller you know, and how much it probably means to those guys coming in and punching them in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And I think that Joe Burrow is more than capable of, you know, it is kind of funny too to that, that like, test. The, the quarterbacks are completely different. Where like uh, Stafford's been the best quarterback against man coverage this season, and Joe Burrow has been the best quarterback against zone coverage. So something has to give on that front in this one. Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I, I do think one thing's going to happen that's going to be fascinating. It's like Eli Apple is going to have a pick six in this one. Like somebody like Eli Apple is going to have a, Stafford's going to get greedy. The nerves are going to be there and they're going to be playing man and he's going to jump coverage and pick off um, something that was intended for like OBJ or something and take it to the house. And we'll see how Stafford responds. But um, I don't know, man. I think. This is going to be fascinating. The Rams have the worst uh, rushing offense in the Super Bowl since like 1988. So that tells me that they're not going to be able to hold this lead if they're able to do what the previous two teams have done, which is the Chiefs and the Titans have been able to build leads early on the Bengals. And the Bengals are like, all right, we'll see you in the second half. And I think the Rams are not going to be able to sit on a lead. I don't think that's going to be a thing. So when I think about all of that, I just... I think Burrow is going to get it done late. I really do think this game ends with the last second McPherson field goal. I think uh, that's that's how it ends. I hope the Bengals win because Mm. it will send teams, which the NFL is a copycat league, in a furious cyclone of bad decisions for the next five years. Every single team will be drafting a wide receiver they hope is, uh, you know, Jamar Chase, two points. Yeah, Jamar Chase. Or even T. Higgins, who's a number one on most teams. Nah, 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 nah. Like, everyone's going to go for a Jamar Chase when there is. Hold on. Don't put some respect on Mr. Oak Ridge. No, T. Higgins is an incredible. First off, T. Higgins is a great receiver. And, you know, by the way, the guy they have in the slot there is probably probably the best slot receiver in the NFL. Cooper Cup's probably the best one. Yeah, but I don't look at Cooper Cup as a slot receiver. That man he's a is slot a slot receiver, though. He's a, that man is a everything receiver. He's Tyler everything Boyd receiver. is not doing what Cooper Cup does. Correct. So, uh, but I, I, but yes, technically speaking, you're right. Um, but my point is this: if if the Bengals win this year, every single team is going to be like, no, we got to go get that, go that, go get that extra weapon. Let's not be smart and get offensive line or defense. You know, they're they're going to swing for the fence, and I don't think that is a repeatable. Uh, success i agree um but we'll see we'll see what happens i just think that draft is just uh going to be one of the best i'm still not going to quit Tua. i think there's still an opportunity for Tua to write the ship there in miami and uh i mean just herbert and burrow are going to dominate uh for years to come but uh we'll see we'll see because we thought the same thing with lamar and josh allen and uh patrick mahomes and do the chiefs get to four straight afc title games or is there a fallout from the way they they just lost. I'm I'm fascinated by all of it. Um, as we wrap up here tonight on this very fun edition, the last pre-game edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Uh, forget the lines with Mr. Evan Swords. Um, 
final notes. What did the people do? Another season almost in the books. Yeah. I mean, this is the last, like you said, this is the last podcast we'll do all year before Mm -hmm. an NFL game. So, you know, we always joke and we always talk about it, but like the season is almost over. What a way to Mm -hmm. celebrate it by giving Chase the, you know, the, the the shout out that he deserves first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Uh, Congratulations to you on an incredible, uh, incredible season uh, of consistency. Like my man is like the, textbook definition of consistency uh and i think that you know i I appreciate what you do and and i think it does deserve to be celebrated so as always make sure to give this man a a five-star review on the pod uh shout it out right send it to your friends send it to your homies uh drink white cloth brand new (laughs) passion fruit flavor that was so bad. I was like, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. This is going to be a fun week. Um, as a guy who lives in LA, uh, you know, friend of the pod, Dalton Miller is, mm-hmm. is here at Radio Row right now, and I'll be seeing him this week. Uh, one of the Have you 49- seen the flow on him this week? Yeah, that man looks like literally uh, uh, what's his called? Z- is the guy from Scrubs. Oh, yeah, uh, JD, but what's his name in real life? Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Oh, my Zach? goodness. Zach Zach Braff Zach Braff yeah 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 uh but yeah so I'll be able to get to see Dalton this week in my own city I love that uh 49ers hub uh alumni uh and very British Nicholas (laughs) McGee who lives in Leeds England is a writer out there for a uh publication and they brought him out here for the Super Bowl and I've never met him in real life so I'm excited for this week for not only the foot, you know, the Super Bowl being the city that I live in and being able to, mm. by the way, go to all these different events and things like that's going to be great. Uh, but just seeing a, a lot of different people, it's a great experience. I think that's a good reminder at how great the sport of football is and how much it brings people together. And I'm really excited to just experience that and take it all in because football is about to end. And there's no such thing as the NBA anymore because my Blazers have died. You got college baseball to look forward to. In I'm sorry, what was that? What, college baseball, that? the Tennessee college, Balls kickoff. Co- college who? College baseball. I am That's sorry. Cool. I've never met him. College baseball. It's a lot of is fun. That, is that French? College? No, 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 no. Oregon State's actually a great program. You can go up to Corvallis. Go, go Ducks. State. Go I mean, Ducks. Just, they're not really good at baseball, though. Honestly, yeah, we don't, like, yeah, but we don't really celebrate the Beavers for anything in life. Mm. No. Okay. Ever. I like it. Ever. Okay. Even if you see one in real life, it's pretty cool. I want to see I mean, a beaver. I, I saw a lot of nutria in Beaverton growing up. They're like, of, what? Like, I don't, look up a nutria. It'll freak Hold you on. out. Is that an Literally. animal? Oh, brother. It is like a rat mixed with uh, a beaver. Oh, my goodness. Right? So that's what we would see a lot. Nutrias. Aren't those things just like terrible? What in the world? Are their teeth orange? What is happening um, here? That one's is. But no. What is happening here? They have like this lion mane, the rat tail. This is like the bulldog of <laughs> the auto yeah, family. Nutrias. Uh, well, they're rodents, so they're straight up rats. Um, nutrias what? are all over the place in Beaverton, Oregon. Like I remember like getting on the, 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 the Max, which is their like light rail slash train. Yeah. Uh, and there would always be them like out by the pond and stuff like that. They're, they're angry little creatures. This is incredible. I didn't know this was a thing. Okay. So I, I never really saw a lot of, of beavers, but I absolutely saw a lot of nutria. 
Nutria. I learned something new on this podcast every day. Now I'm just going to spend the next five minutes. Look at, <laughs> and I got to show the sports renaissance woman. She's going to love it. Um, but Evan, thank you as always, my friend. Don't forget, folks, Ross Jackson coming up after this on this very podcast. So stay tuned for that. Um, Evan, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much. Have fun this week in LA with the Super Bowl festivities. And I will talk to you next week. All right, bud. Take care. All right, part two here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am now joined by Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints, the Locked On Podcast Network, where I'm looking at him at the Super Bowl with all kinds of media all around him. Ross, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Yeah, doing great. Yeah, it's a busy time over here, but very glad to be here with you. Appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to talking some New Orleans Saints with you, bud. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's been a long time coming. You guys officially uh, named a new head coach. It was exactly who, uh, as you pointed out, that was the favorite all along, that it seemed like it was going to be Dennis Allen from the get-go. Um, Eric Bieniemy uh, reportedly had an eight-hour interview with yeah. the Saints. There were some other names that popped up, but by and large, it just felt kind of inevitable that it was going to be Dennis Allen. And part of that was because, as you said, he had this great audition at the middle point of this season when Sean Payton was out and the defense has just been quietly the story in new Orleans the last couple of years, uh, to keep this team in contention as Drew Brees got older, uh, as Michael right. Thomas missed a lot of time with injuries, uh, obviously this year with Jameis Winston going down, what kept new Orleans afloat, um, was really what Dennis Allen brought to this team over the last several years. So let's start with Dennis Allen. Uh, were you at all surprised? And also, do you do you like this hire for the Saints? Uh, I do. I do like this hire for the Saints. Not at all surprised. Like you mentioned, this seemed like this was going to be the way that they were going to go no matter what, right? He knows you know, uh, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, uh, general manager, they were very, very consistent from the beginning about what it is that they were looking for in their head coaching candidate. And Mickey Loomis talked about continuity. He talked about uh, familiarity with the roster, familiarity with the culture, and he talked about head coaching experience, and Dennis Allen checks all those boxes. He's somebody that's been with the New Orleans Saints 12 out of Sean Payton's 16, 15 years uh, in New Orleans, and he's somebody that has seen the ebbs and flows of the culture, and each of the culture changes, and was on the forefront when it came to revolutionizing the way that the New Orleans Saints became known as a defensive team, particularly over the course of these last couple of seasons when he began to be able to have those personnel conversations along with Guys like Jeff Ireland and the fantastic pro personnel staff, formerly led by Terry Fontenot, who's now, of course, with the Atlanta Falcons. A lot of different ways now that you've seen Dennis Allen really step into his own in terms of that defense being sort of crafted in his image, the way that his vision, the way that he really wanted it to see. Now he gets the opportunity to get another shot with that in terms of the roster as a whole as their head coach. It is fascinating that, I mean, Sean Payton just retired and we've just moved on. Like that was just such a, gigantic mm -hmm. thing where people were just like there were some rumors that like oh maybe he's he wants to do tv and he eventually wants yeah. to get out he was sneaky old like he's almost 60 <laughs> um he doesn't look it but he was getting up there a little bit he's been the saints head coach for just a preposterous amount of time he's won his right. super bowl he has nothing left to prove um he'll always be probably the best head coach in saints history Mm -hmm. But that's also a big responsibility for Dennis Allen to follow Sean Payton because 
it's funny to me when I when I looked at this and I was thinking about this uh, before you came on was just that like you see this kind of coaching change in college all the time. You mm-hmm. see where like Bobby Bowden retired at Florida State and then that went to Jimbo Fisher and right. they just promoted from within. You see that a lot where if programs feel good about the, the staff below them that they're like, all right, this is an opportunity to just elevate the guy right behind him. Uh, Mario mm-hmm. Cristobal just got elevated at Oregon and then uh, after uh, uh, Willie Tiger left. So yep. it, you see this a lot more in college, but you don't see it very often in the pros. Do you think that that's something that should concern Saints fans, excite them that they want to keep this continuity? Is it kind of naive for the Saints to believe that they can just keep this thing going with Dennis Allen running things and um, them just keep looking and keep performing the way they have in the last couple of years, or really just come down to, you know, they got to really figure out the quarterback position because this game is still uh, predicated on uh, what kind of uh, output they get on that front. Yeah. Uh, look, I-, I think the new Orleans saints tried the rebuild thing before and it didn't work mm-hmm. out. And so I think that what you look at 2017 to 2021, which have been their most successful seasons, you know, here recently, of course, winning the division several times in a row, making the playoffs several times in a row, being one, you know, uh, Los Angeles Rams win away from being in the playoffs again in 2022, despite everything, or excuse me, 2021, despite everything that they went through, you look at the New Orleans Saints and the thing that they've always sort of uh, prioritized over everything else is continuity, right? Familiarity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their first step in free agency since 2017 has been retain in-house players first and then go out there and start to try to figure out in terms of you know additional or additive pieces that they could bring to their offense or defense. And so I think that for the Saints, what would have been more naive for them was to go opposite their usual flow and rebuild, right? Because then you would have just been entering the situations where you don't have the chance to be competitive. At least in this situation, there's a talented roster. You still have a huge question to answer, which is the quarterback question, which is the most in question, most important question that they're going to have to do. And uh, that's going to be the big one that's really going to set the course for 2022. But if they're able to maintain that defense, if they can add some weapons on the offensive side, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to go elite quarterback level, but they definitely have to find the right player for the position and the right player for the scheme. Was there ever a possibility that they go outside of the the family, but they still keep Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael as the coordinators? Was that ever a possibility that Dennis Allen was like, I mean, honestly, I'm good just being the defensive coordinator. It's actually pretty awesome. And just being the Brent Venables of the NFL where he's like, I did the whole head coaching thing in Oakland. Didn't go well for me. Lost a lot of football <laughs> games. Um, right. it, I had to work my way back up because um, he wasn't the DC. He moved up the ladder because he replaced um, Rob Bryan at the time. So it wasn't like right. he has been there. From the, like he had to work. He had to repair uh, his image a little bit after what happened in Oakland. And Obviously, he has a strong uh, Texas background. I think his dad played at AM and he grew up in Texas and all that kind of stuff. So he's close. Uh, he's a very New Orleans type guy and he, he, he seems like a good culture fit and all that. But I just I don't know. It's it's fascinating because I have no idea what to make of the future of the New Orleans Saints. And Ross, as you know, being a Falcons guy with the praise behind me and you mentioned Terry Fauna he has no interest in rebuilding either. And Arthur right. Blank is not a rebuilding owner. And I don't think Gail Benson is a rebuilding owner. I have no idea what to make of um, the Panthers new owner in Tepper. All I know right now is he's kind of not sure what he is and what he wants to do. Um, yeah. He just wants to win. And I don't think he has really a plan as to how to, how to get there. Um, so they're the most volatile and probably the team I or team in the NFC South. I believe in the least as of right now. But the Saints 
the cap stuff is real and this no, is not. now a really oh it's not real okay I, I, the floor <laughs> is yours the floor is yours as a falcons fan tell all the atlantans who are who want to believe that the saints impending doom is near and dear tell me why that's not the case yeah, it, it, it's an annual thing that comes up mm-hmm. all the time. The Saints have to work their way down from $110 million over the salary cap last year. This year, they're only $74 million over the salary cap. But the thing is, is that it's all built into roster bonuses and base salaries. And so it's all restructurable. So the Saints can easily get under the salary cap without cutting a single player. Now, they might have to cut some players in order to make room for other, you know, to make room for new signees and things like that, depending on how they go about it. But the Saints are also not going to sign front-loaded heavy contracts when it comes to new free agents that they do bring in or anybody that they do bring in that's additive too, including a guy like maybe Jameis Winston that they're looking to, that they could look to bring back at the quarterback position, for instance. So what the Saints have done over the course of the past few years, you look at Marshawn Lattimore's contract, Ryan Ramchek, you looked at uh, Michael Thomas's contract, as well as Taysom Hills, they have built in multiple uh, uh, double-digit millions of dollars worth of cash into roster bonuses in 2022. That's one of the reasons why the salary mm-hmm. cap is so high. What that allows them to do is restructure those base salaries or restructure and also restructure the roster bonuses so that those players get a huge payday up front. The Saints take the hit over the course of spreading out over the course of that next couple of years. And it never catches up with them because now we're looking at the, the NFL salary cap skyrocketing into potentially 230, 240 million dollars as soon as mm-hmm. 2023. And so that becomes what the New Orleans Saints do is that they end up banking into those big years where everybody is expected to explode in terms of spending. But instead, the New Orleans Saints are focused on maintaining the nucleus of their team. So $74 million over the salary cap looks scary, but they can get from under out from underneath that without having to cut a single player. So who's still part of the core? Like now that we're mm-hmm. kind of transitioning, I mean, Jameis Winston, like, is he still a core piece? I mean, Taysom Hill obviously got paid, um, but his guy is now out of there. So who knows what his future is like? But Michael Thomas, um, great player. Didn't have him at all last year. Um, and now Kamara, the news of the week in New Orleans, right. not something any Saints fan. And as a Tennessee guy right here, hurts my soul. We have a Kamara uh, we have a Kamara sign outside of Neyland now. He he replaced yeah. a big name. He's he's all over here in Tennessee. But it looks like he could be facing a six-game suspension at least going into next year, it looks like, uh, with the disp- – I, I don't know how to phrase this. Uh, I got to phrase this carefully. Um, different statements uh, on uh, Kamara and what happened this week. But right. um, conflicting statements, I guess, is what we'll go with there. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how nervous are you about Kamara and – what is the future like for Michael Thomas in New Orleans? The expectation, everything that I've picked up over at the Senior Bowl and everything that I've been picking up here while at Super Bowl Radio Row is that the expectation is that Michael Thomas is a New Orleans Saint in 2022. It doesn't seem that there's any real concern around it at this point. Any situation or any uh, sort of, uh, you know, um, I guess adversity that the, that he faced along with the team seems to have you know, resided at this point, and now he's focused on getting back onto the field. There's no timetable for it, though, so we'll have to see exactly how the injury ends up healing and how quickly he can actually get back out on the field. For the Saints, they'd love to have him back for mini camp, training camp, all of that, but we still have to see how that all plays out. But personality-wise or you know, connection-wise, it seems that the franchise and the player and Michael Thomas are now sort of back in the same place on the same page which is great for them especially if they are going to be without Alvin Kamara which is very likely or at least pretty likely depending upon how all of this plays out at the beginning of the 2022 season so that means that the Saints who are already going to be in the market for another running back anyway 
are now going to have to be a little bit more aggressive, particularly in free agency when it comes to the running back market and trying to identify a player that they'll be able to utilize in place of Alvin Kamara, but then also somebody that will complement him throughout the rest of the season along with Mark Ingram. So it's going to be a bit of an interesting shuffle there. But in terms of the core, who the core is for the New Orleans Saints, it's Marcus Davenport, it's Cam Jordan, it's Demario Davis, it's hopefully Marcus Williams, who's going to be a big-time free agent that I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints um, franchise tag a second time if they needed to. Marshawn Lattimore, Paul Sinadibo, it's a defense. The defense is their core. And then on the offensive side, you're just looking to see what type of young talent you can bring back to be able to pair up with whoever that quarterback is. Seems like Jameis Winston would be the simplest, easiest solution for them. But we'll see exactly how it all ends up having to pan out. But if you want the core, it's on the defensive side for this team. Was there any, what was the talk like for the quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl for the Saints? Are they interested in any name or anyone stand out to them? Could you see them becoming infatuated with any of the any of the big names? Yeah, the big takeaway right now is that the Saints are going to be aggressive and that they're going to pursue every available option. So I would expect them to pick up the phone and call for Russell Wilson and, and you'll call the Seattle Seahawks if he indeed hits the market. I could see them you know, making the phone call to Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers indeed hits the market. Uh, Derek Carr uh, it would be another one that hmm. would make a lot of sense for the Saints to pursue yeah. reuniting Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. Dennis Allen, of course, was there when the Raiders drafted Derek Carr out of Fresno State. That's so wild. A lot of I can't believe it was that long ago. That's right? Wild. Isn't that crazy? And so, you know, there could be a potential reunion there. And there are some other sort of, let's say, mid-level quarterbacks, quote unquote, I guess you would call them, as opposed to having to go to those elite quarterbacks that the Saints could also pursue. Or they could, you know, rely on, again, continuity, cohesion, culture, familiarity, and potentially bring back Jameis Winston, too, depending upon how his rehabilitation goes, which so far is looking good coming off that ACL injury. Good to guess, though. Do they draft a quarterback in the first round? In the first round? No. No, okay. I don't believe that they do. Now we'll see what happens as these like guys end up raising their stock and things like that. Yeah, quarterback positional value, as you know very well, it ends up pushing these guys pretty far up the uh, pretty far up the chain there. But I would look yeah. at the trenches in the first round and potentially wide receiver. Well, it's interesting you mentioned the trenches because that's like been one of the things that people don't realize about the Saints, and this was something that helped Drew Brees a lot, Kamara a lot, but was. Ramzik, you the Saints nailed on the important pieces. They they did something the the Falcons can't do. So it's like one of those things that just drove me nuts about the New Orleans Saints because, as you know, Ross, uh, uh, we just don't want anything, any happiness for your New Orleans Saints. <laughs> we don't we don't want any of that. And we've we've tried the Vic Beasley's of the world, the Tack McKinley's, the uh, Jake Matthews has been solid. But you look at McGarry, you look at Jalen Mayfield at left guard this year. You look at what the Falcons have looked like at center since Alex Mack got Alex Mack got moved. Right. It's it's hard. It's really really hard to build a stable offensive line. But the Saints did a great job with. I mean, go yeah. way back to Max Unger from Seattle. That was a great trade for them at the time. And now you have Ramsick and Armstead, who have just been these linchpins at the tackle spots. And you got Ramsick and Armstead in the first round. You developed them. They've been great. So are they still part of the core piece? Have they fallen off a little bit in the last couple of years? What uh, what do you make of the two linchpins at the tackle spots? Because that's also going to be a big part of the success of the next quarterback who comes in there, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think you know both of them dealt with injuries last year. Teron Armstead has consistently battled injury throughout his career, but has always been able to be one of the best tackles in the NFL when he is out there on the field. He wants to return to New Orleans. He's on an expiring contract right now, and I think the Saints would be wise to bring him back, even despite the fact that there have been dealing with some injury concerns around him and his you know 2022 season or 2021 season rather effectively came to an end early. And so, uh, you know, big part of the reason why I believe that it makes sense to keep him around is because otherwise you carry in a $13.4 million 
a dead cap hit if he leaves. But otherwise, if you're able to extend him, then you end up knocking that salary cap hit down. You keep the player and you save money in the short term. So that would be another way for them to build cap relief beyond cutting a player, but instead by keeping one. And so I would look to see if they're able to do that with Teron Armstead. Ryan Ramchek dealt with injuries last year, fought his way back late in the season. And he is still, if not their best, certainly one of their best offensive linemen uh, alongside Teron Armstead. So they've always invested in the trenches. They care very much about it. You look at all of the early round selections that they have on that offensive line. They're consistently investing there. And I would expect them to continue to invest there again, especially if they extend Teron Armstead because you're not looking right now to replace Teron Armstead, but instead you might be looking to have your insurance plan or your secession plan getting started behind him, which they haven't been able to get done so far. Hmm. Um, why didn't Pete Carmichael get a bigger look? Is he just like, cool? Is he just hanging out? Is that man just like, I am never going to interview. I'm just uh, going to be the saints OC for the rest of my life. That's exactly it. They asked him if he wanted to, you know, they approached him for an interview and you know, hmm. they were, they were fully intent on interviewing him. And he basically yeah. said, turned down the interview and said, no, I'm okay where I am. Uh, he likes his offensive coordinator role. But the thing that's interesting is that there are some reports saying that while Pete Carmichael will remain on staff, he might not remain on staff as the offensive coordinator. So that hmm. could mean that the Saints are looking to fill both coordinator roles, defensive coordinator, which of course was vacated by Dennis Allen, getting the head coaching job, and then also looking to fill that offensive coordinator role, if that's true, and Pete Carmichael is not the guy moving into 2022. Is there a chance that they go uh, in-house on both coordinator elevations potentially or do you think both potentially would probably be on the outside i think it's more likely that defense is in is is internal uh whether Mm -hmm. that's defensive line coach and assistant head coach ryan nielsen or Mm -hmm. that's chris richard the secondary coach that had interviews with the ravens steelers and colts unfortunately didn't get any of those positions but does have a chance to elevate here within the new orleans saint system the thing that's going to be interesting is as you mentioned earlier uh, Dennis Allen coming in as a defensive head coach, he wants to call the defensive plays. So how does that mm-hmm. impact people's interest in the defensive coordinator role in New Orleans? We'll have to see how that all pans out. Over on the offensive side, though, it makes a lot more sense for that to be something that is uh, outside of the organization. The only other player, or the, excuse me, the only other coach really that makes a lot of sense to elevate from a current positional coach spot to an offensive coordinator role would be Ronald Curry, their quarterback coach. He's only been their quarterback coach for one year. Usually when you're grooming an offensive coordinator, you have them at that quarterback coach, that QB coach role for a couple of seasons, and then you start to look to elevate him there. I believe that is the track for Ronald Curry as he will eventually be an offensive coordinator, and I believe in the future a head coach. But for right now, I don't know if it's necessarily the time to elevate him or if they feel that it's a time to elevate him yet. But he would definitely be an internal name to watch, but I would expect them to go outside of the facility. They had an eight-hour uh, uh, interview with Eric Bieniemy. There's been some reports about Eric Bieniemy's contract potentially expiring. I don't know if maybe yeah. the Saints hit something there. You know, if they, yeah, I've done that before, right? I've interviewed for something and then didn't get the job that I interviewed for, but got something else instead. That could be the case for Eric Bieniemy if that happens. That would be fascinating because I thought you were going to go with like just the Chiefs staff and like the fact they're interested in a Chiefs name that like Matt Nagy, who is now out of a job, you bring him back in as an OC and get back to what he is. Um, Doug Peterson back in the back in the game. Um, Daryl Bevel, uh, he's available. There are some OC names around the league. So if you want to do some retread options around the league, the Saints have a plethora of offensive names to uh, to choose from. Is Ryan Pace coming back to the organization or no? Is that probably not happening, so- right? That was an interesting one because there was some talk uh, about potentially after Sean Payton stepped away mm-hmm. that there might be some front office changes. Mickey Loomis moving from general manager into maybe a vice president role uh, or some type of presidential role within the organization, which would then allow Jeff Ireland or Kai Harley to move into the general manager role. 
And if that were to happen, particularly if Jeff Ireland would have moved up, then, um, then uh, you know, that would have been a perfect spot for Ryan mm-hmm. Pace to end up would have been the VP uh, of college scouting. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been the spot for him. But it doesn't look like there's any changes coming for the Saints front office at this time. So I don't expect Ryan Pace to rejoin the staff, at least at this moment. OK, um, last Saints thing. Who do you think, if you had to guess right now, it is February 8th, Ross. Who is the starting quarterback in week one for the New Orleans Saints? My expectation is Jameis Winston. Okay. What would you, would is great. it, what, what, what percentage points are you doing for Jameis would, on every day? That's a great question. I would probably say some like 60%, something like that, okay. right? There's, there's a, a lot of options. Yeah, there's a lot of options there, but it's better, you know, a little bit better than 50-50, I would say. It's just so early in the offseason, I'd probably hedge it a little bit. But mm-hmm. I would expect that it's going to be Jameis Winston. He's the easiest situation. He's familiar. He fits the role of what it is New Orleans Saints' MO is over the course of the mm-hmm. offseason. So that's what I would expect at this time. Man, you have me thinking about Derek Carr. Derek Carr actually makes a lot of sense. You go down it that would second. That would, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like that. But then I could also see McDaniels liking a quarterback like Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, so tell me about Radio Row. So you're in Super Bowl. You're in Los Angeles, Ross. Let's end on a happy, fun note. We don't want to talk Saints this whole time. Who who was that <laughs> on this very podcast? No. What the What have you been seeing? What have you been hearing? What have you been doing? How is uh How is uh the Super Bowl in Los Angeles? Yeah, we're having a great time here. You know, we have mm-hmm. a whole we have our whole locked on crew, a whole bunch of mm-hmm. folks that are here uh, gathering a bunch of content and everything and taking care of our you know local shows as well as all of our television stations and everything. So we're getting a lot of great stuff, uh, speaking with a lot of great folks. We actually just wrapped up a couple of interviews with uh, Solomon Wilcots, you know, and we also had uh, a couple of other folks out here earlier. So really excited about what we've got. It's going to start to pick up more and more and more over the course of the week as we get closer mm-hmm. and closer to game day and more you know, players start to show up and all of that. So we're very excited about the list of folks that we have coming up here very soon. I know I'm really excited to talk to Kyle Turley uh, later okay. on this week, he of course Saints one of the most yeah right one of the most iconic Saints moments <laughs> when he threw that New York Jets player's helmet uh, yes. in, uh, in the field to play phenomenal. So you know we got to ask him about it. So you got a lot of great stuff coming up that's been throughout yeah. here. It's been awesome. Uh, we've had a really really great time, and you know mm-hmm. a lot of the conversation around here so far has been you know toward the hiring practices in terms of head coaching when it comes to the NFL. So there's been a lot of conversation around that topic here we have a press conference with roger goodell here in a couple days i actually believe it's tomorrow if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. and then we also have a couple of other pieces that have been floating about and everything as people are talking about what's going on with kyler murray what's going on with aaron Rodgers, all of that so a lot of speculation so far a lot of differing opinions and ultimately we'll see what happens in those areas but great place to be to pick up and see what it is that people are saying for sure any Aaron Brooks sightings, Pierre Thomas? Yeah, we'll get okay. them very soon, though. I believe that they I believe we'll have a couple of folks out here, but uh, I'm really excited about the folks that we have lined up so far for sure. I also uh, and we'll wrap up here on this. So uh, we're Instagram followers. We follow each other on Instagram, Ross, and uh-huh. you crack me up. I, you haven't done this in a while, but your videos that you did uh, with your now uh-huh. wife, because I think we did the yes. last pods before you got married. Um, so you're right. officially a married man, Ross. Congratulations. Thank and you, you did this great uh, bit. You uh, like I love doing bits with the sports renaissance woman. There's nothing better than a bit that uh, they cannot stand. There's nothing better than a bit <laughs> that is incredibly corny. Um, do you have one in the wings? Do you have one ready, Ross? Do you have one for this audience right now? Because I oh. haven't heard one in a while. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, one I'm of ready. my favorite ones. This is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> 
What did one snowman say to the other snowman? I don't know. You smell carrots? <laughs> it's one of my favorite ones. Super simple. <laughs> Super simple. And I have a variation on the guess what chicken butt joke if you want that one too. But you gotta I got to play it. along. That's good. Right? Yeah. You walk into somebody, you say, guess what? What? Good job. Get it. Wow. That's awesome. Did a Incredible. Great job. Yep. Love it. Absolutely great. love them. Great stuff, man. Uh, how to go? Everyone's folks like, this guy's really, this guy's actually like really intelligent. And then I just messed it all up with that last, uh, with that last segment. So I really, this is no. who I really am, everyone. No, we want the real stuff. We don't want just the all hard hitting, hard hitting NFL and Saints news. No, we got to keep it light a little bit. We got to have some fun here. Uh, right. So, how do the good folks check out uh, the Locked On Network, the Locked On Saints, and all of what you're doing this week and going forward? Yeah, absolutely. So, if you want to keep up with the New Orleans Saints, the easiest way to do that would, of course, be to follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson Nola and Nola. And of course, you can check out the Locked On Saints podcast every Monday through Friday. If you're not a Saints fan, don't worry. We have every other NFL team covered as well. Here on the Locked On Podcast Network, as well as the NBA, NHL, MLB, and of course, dozens of college teams as well. Best way to keep up with everything going on around Radio Row, though, is to check out the Locked On NFL YouTube page, where we're uploading all of our interviews, short snippets, doing daily shows, all that as well. So lots of content being made, lots of content being presented, and it's available for you free and on all platforms. Awesome. Awesome. Ross, have fun this week. Keep up the great work, sir, and uh, don't be a stranger. Hey, you got it, buddy. I appreciate you. Always a pleasure to be here with you, man. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.